Welcome to Living Word Ministries with director and Bible teacher, Debbie Blank. Each week, Debbie examines current events through the lens of end times Bible prophecies. Please visit our website for information and past programs at livingwordministry.org. Now let's open our Bibles to focus on truths from God's Word with Debbie Blank. What would your life be like if you'd chosen a different path? Imagine if you hadn't married the spouse you married, or if you hadn't married at all, or perhaps if you hadn't had children, what would your life be like? What if you'd taken a job in a different city or not taken a particular job? How would that have changed how you are living today? Now, on a spiritual note, what if you'd not accepted Christ? I have a friend who had the option uh, 35 years ago, was interested, came to Bible studies. And then after several weeks, she said, no, I've realized this just isn't for me. What if you had made that decision not to turn to Jesus? Or what if you had not followed his calling? I know of a man who is very successful in business, has a wonderful family and children, but he told me that God had called him into the ministry and he disobeyed what he thought he heard God telling him. And he still to this day is full of shame and mourning that he had disobeyed God, but he's not changing his life. Interesting. What about obeying God's word? Now that's a tough one. Because a lot of us call ourselves Christians and we follow Jesus, but we really don't follow his word when we don't want to. We do what we want to do. I know of a woman who really wanted to leave her husband. He was a scoundrel of a man and she wanted to leave, but didn't. She stayed with her husband. And she will tell you after all these decades that she praises God, that she stayed with him, that she did obey God rather than going the way of the world. Well, with every decision we make, there's consequences, good or bad. When we make godly choices, God will be honored. But when we make selfish choices, when we turn away from God, we and others are going to suffer the consequences of those decisions. Today, we're going to look at the lives of two men in Scripture to see how they responded to the truth, to the Word of God, and the benefits or consequences to their actions. With the new year approaching, it's a good time to consider our choices and how we want to change them as we move forward in this coming year. I'm Debbie Blank asking God to speak to you today through His Word. And I'm co-host Jackie Sailors. Debbie asked a question that's been the theme of many modern movies, the question of what our lives would look like if only we had chosen a different path. Hollywood has been fascinated by the answer to that question. In movies like Freaky Friday, Peggy Sue Got Married, Family Man, and dozens more, the main character mysteriously trades places with someone else, or with a younger or older version of themselves, or in a different life situation. There they face the consequences of their decisions, learn valuable lessons, and usually get a second chance to make wiser decisions and change their lives. In real life, we may look back and wonder, What if I hadn't been so rebellious or disobedient or prideful? How would my life be different? While we can't go back to the past or into the future like in the movies, we do have examples from the Bible to show us that living in obedience to God is the right path for each of us. In this day and age of computers, I always think that I wish I could hit the delete button or the backwards button on my computer of my life. If I make a wrong decision or if I have a bad attitude or if something happens, I just want to hit the delete button and do it over again. But we can't. 
That means that we need to be walking with God in such a way that we can live with every single one of our decisions. We don't know what they're going to be, but sometimes I think, well, if I got in an accident, is it because I wasn't paying attention? Is it because I was texting or on the phone or something that was distracting me? That's my responsibility. I'm the one that needs to live with that, whether somebody was hurt or not. So in life, we have decisions that we make based on our hearts, based on our attitudes, and based on our actions. We need to make sure we're walking in the right road with God. You see, if I make a mistake or if I do something right, I need to know in every decision that I make that it's right with God because then I can live with the consequences. If something horrible happens, but I know God has led me in a certain direction to go to a certain place or to do something, and then a bad result happens, I may be sorrowful, I may be upset, I may mourn, but I know I've done the right thing before the Lord. Then I can live with whatever happens. That's why it is so important that we walk with Jesus Christ at all times that every decision of our hearts be based on his direction, on what he's led us to do, so that whatever happens, we can know we're walking with God and we've done what he wanted us to do, or at least gone in the direction that he was leading us. When you talk about being careful about your own decisions, we also are affected by other people's decisions and other people are affected by ours. So sometimes life just happens or sometimes things happen to us that were out of our control. There was nothing we could do. But what you're talking about is when we make a determination to follow the path that God has laid out for us, when we're obedient, then whatever happens, he can use for eternal value. So we need to think about eternal consequences and not just short term. That's right. When you're talking about living with someone else's mistakes, yes, we do have to do that, whether it's a spouse or a company or a pastor or whatever. When their mistakes are made, we also suffer for their mistakes. What we need to consider is how we act when that happens. We don't react to somebody else's mistakes. We need to know how God calls us to live when somebody else makes mistakes. But as you say, when we do the right thing, we do everything we're supposed to do. Sometimes we are persecuted for that. Look at the people who've been in prison in China or Iran or other countries where they have done the right thing and they have served the Lord faithfully. And yet they've gone to prison, been tortured. Their families have been ostracized. They did the right thing and there were consequences that weren't what we would want but they could live with them because they knew they were following God. We see that very thing with a very prominent prophet in the Old Testament named Jeremiah. Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet because he never seemed to have good things to say about anyone or anything that was going on. He was speaking the truth from the word of God, but people didn't want to hear it because people want their ears tickled. Don't we today want to hear positive things instead of negative? Don't we want to hear the good things that are going to happen instead of possibly the bad? Why has our government not dealt with the problems with Social Security and Medicare? Because the people won't like it. It'll cause us to tighten our financial belts and we don't want to hear it. That's what Jeremiah ran up against, but in a spiritual tone. God used him to prophesy from 627 to 586 BC. That's 41 years this man had to give of his life, his entire life basically, in order to speak the truth of the word of God that people didn't want to hear. 
He even had to give up having a wife and children because God told him not to. In the day and age that was approaching them, he, God had said he needed to be free from other responsibilities so he could serve the Lord. And he knew that if he had a family at a time like that, they would be persecuted when he was being persecuted too. So this man gave of himself through five kings of Judah, four of them evil kings that he prophesied to or for or against. And yet he had to do it because God called him to do it. Jeremiah's prophecies are ones that we need to hear today and ask ourselves, are we willing to be like Jeremiah, do what's right in God's eyes and suffer consequences because of it, as well as good opportunities with the Lord? Or are we going to turn to the ways of the world in order to enjoy life for a season, but then suffer the consequences, perhaps here on earth, but certainly for eternity? Jeremiah was living in a time where judgment was approaching and God wanted him to warn his people. So God is gracious in that regard. He does judge, and judgment will come, but he warns his people. So Jeremiah was in a position to warn them. We're in a position to warn of upcoming judgment in our lifetimes, too, and it's difficult. It is. Let me give you a little history of what was happening at the time of Jeremiah. Going way back to 931 B.C., the nation of Israel split into two nations— the northern kingdom called Israel, and the southern kingdom called Judah. They lived that way until 722 BC, when the Assyrian army destroyed the northern kingdom, took people into captivity, and then resettled some of their Assyrian people into that northern part of Israel. Fortunately, the southern part of Israel, called Judah, was spared, at least for a period of time. It wasn't until 586 BC, almost 150 years later, when the Babylonians, who were the successors, basically, of the Assyrian Empire, they usurped the Assyrian Empire and gained more territory, they then came up to destroy Judah because Judah had turned away from them. Judah had decided to go in their own direction. So here we are at the time of Jeremiah. Joash was the first king who Jeremiah prophesied under, and he was a good king. Then after him, there were four kings who were evil. These were the ones primarily who Jeremiah was prophesying to. It turned out that the very last king of Judah, his name was Zedekiah, was in place for 11 years, from 597 to 586 BC. He was actually a puppet king because Nebuchadnezzar, the king of the Babylonian army, came up against Judah in 605 BC and besieged it. But what happened at that time was Jehoiakim, who was king, paid off the king of Babylon to allow them to stay there. So basically, Judah became a vassal of Babylon. That was 605 BC. Well, then things changed. Nebuchadnezzar came back in 597 BC for another siege. But at that point, he got rid of the king who was in existence then, Jehoiachin, and he gave control of Judah to Zedekiah. Now, Zedekiah was of the royal family, but he was a puppet king put in that position by the king of Babylon. So you can imagine he's got dual allegiances. He wants to support the king of Babylon because that's where he gets his power. But he's also an Israelite, a member of the royal family, and wants to lead Judah autonomously. So you're describing someone who is compromised. Wasn't the king of Babylon the one who changed Zedekiah's name to Zedekiah? So he had his Hebrew name, 
And then it's almost like, okay, I own you now because I'm renaming you. He said that actually in 2 Kings 24, verse 17, where it reads, Then the king of Babylon made his uncle, that was Jehoiakim's uncle, Mataniah was his name. He made him king in his place and changed his name to Zedekiah. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. That's it, 11 years, 32 years old when he was killed. He did evil in the sight of the Lord, the Bible says, according to all that Jehoiakim had done. For through the anger of the Lord, this came about in Jerusalem and Judah until he cast out his presence, and Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon. So Zedekiah not only rebelled against God, but he rebelled against the king of Babylon. That's what we want to discuss today. We want to discuss Jeremiah, the godly prophet who did everything right in God's eyes, spoke the truth of the word of God, still suffered, however, because he stood with God. And then we want to talk about Zedekiah, the opposite, the king who chose to do evil in the sight of the Lord. Remember that God said in 1 Samuel 15, 23, rebellion is as the sin of divination. So rebellion is a horrible thing in God's eyes. It means to resist, to revolt, to disobey. That's what Zedekiah was doing against God and against Nebuchadnezzar. Do we do that against God? Do we rebel against him? Do we resist? It's interesting because most of the time we'll say, well, I don't rebel against God. I follow God. I do what God wants me to do. Well, maybe that's the case. But do we resist God? Maybe we don't actively oppose God, but do we resist doing what he wants us to do or living in a way that honors him instead of honoring us? That's rebellion. Call it what you want. It's rebellion, and that's the sin of divination before the Lord. It makes me think of the verse about a man cannot serve two masters. It looks like he tried to do that and did a bad job of both. That he did. So let's look at Zedekiah. Keep in mind, with someone like Zedekiah, when he made selfish choices, he and others suffered. Let's read about him a little bit in Jeremiah 38, verses 1 through 3, where it reads, Now Shephtala and Gedaliah and Jucal and Pasher heard the words that Jeremiah was speaking to all the people. Now these were priests that were listening to what Jeremiah was saying. He said, he who stays in the city will die by the sword and by famine and by pestilence. But he who goes out to the Chaldeans will live and have their own life as booty and stay alive. Thus says the Lord, this city will certainly be given into the hands of the army of the king of Babylon, and he will capture it. Now that was Jeremiah speaking to these priests and to the people. But the priests didn't like what Jeremiah was saying. Keep in mind, Jeremiah is prophesying, if you surrender to them, you're going to live. But if you don't, you're going to die by the sword and pestilence, and the city is going to be turned over to the Babylonians. They didn't want to hear it because they were telling the people what they wanted to hear. If you fight the Babylonians, they'll be gone. We'll win and they'll be gone. That's what they wanted to believe. That's what they wanted the people to believe. They weren't seeking the truth from the Word of God. In our culture today, we're not seeking the truth of the Word of God. We're doing what seems right in our own eyes. We've made ourselves the gods of our lives, the decision makers of our lives, rather than following God and the truth of His Word. People are saying God's antiquated. You know, we don't have to listen to God. There's many gods. Which God should I follow? So we have followed ourselves as our own gods. 
and we find ourselves in the same place that Zedekiah and the people of his age found themselves. It must have seemed counterintuitive to them to think about just going out and surrendering. So yeah, they were using their own reasoning what seemed right to them. But Jeremiah was a known prophet. Jeremiah did speak the word of the Lord. So boldly he's saying, thus saith the Lord, here's what you need to do. Had they been used to following the Lord and sensitive to what he would say to do and had done that and seen God's path throughout their lives, that would be one thing that that would be then the intuitive thing to do. But instead they were used to following their own way. And so it was it was easy to discount Jeremiah, the thing that you had to do to to discount him was to persecute him and make him look foolish. That's exactly what they did. So they turned him over to the king, and they said to the king, you need to put this man to death. Because according to verse 4, he is not seeking the well-being of the people, but rather their harm. Jeremiah wasn't seeking their harm. He was just speaking the truth of the word of God. Their harm had been determined decades before with the sin of Manasseh when God promised the destruction of this rebellious generation and these rebellious people. So when the priest came to Zedekiah, Zedekiah said, Behold, he's in your hands. The king can do nothing against you. So basically, he's like Pilate washing his hands of the situation. So they threw Jeremiah in a cistern. That's a pretty rough thing to do, is to throw him into the mud, this wet, damp cistern full of mud. He couldn't survive there. He'd freeze to death. So an Ethiopian eunuch came around, and he appealed to the king for Jeremiah's life. And the king said, okay, take 30 men with you and bring Jeremiah up from the cistern. So they did that. Well, then as we continue on in Jeremiah 38, 14, it says, King Zedekiah sent and had Jeremiah the prophet brought to him. He said, I'm going to ask you something. Don't hide anything from me. All of a sudden now the king's interested. He wants to ask Jeremiah something. And he says he's going to listen to Jeremiah. Verse 15, Jeremiah says, if I tell you, will you not certainly put me to death? Besides, if I give you advice, you're not going to listen to me. But King Zedekiah swore to Jeremiah in secret, saying, As the Lord lives who made the life for us, surely I will not put you to death, nor will I give you over to the hand of these men who are seeking your life. So Jeremiah did say to King Zedekiah, Thus says the Lord God of hosts. One thing I love about Jeremiah is almost everything is his speaking. Thus says the Lord God of heaven or the God of Israel or our God. He's speaking God's word. He says, if you will indeed go out to the officers of the king of Babylon, then you will live. The city will not be burned with fire and you and your household will survive. That is really a pleasure to hear because the king of Babylon was ruthless. Everyone knew that if he came in to destroy a city, he would kill everyone. He'd rape the women, he'd slaughter the children, and he'd burn the city. That's his modus operandi. So then King Zedekiah hears the truth of what's going to happen. How does he respond? He says, I dread the Jews who've gone over to the Chaldeans, for they may give me over into the hand, and they're going to abuse me. Jeremiah responded, they will not give you over. Please obey the Lord and what I'm saying to you, that it may be well with you and you may live. But if you keep refusing to go out, this is the word which the Lord has spoken. In verse 23, they will also bring all your wives and your sons to the Chaldeans, and you yourself will not escape from the land, but will be seized by the hand of the king of Babylon, and the city will be burned. Here, Zedekiah, is what will happen if you obey God, and here, Zedekiah, is what will happen if you don't. Here he is at a crossroads. He is given a choice. Does he believe God, trust him against what he thinks his own experiences as far as what he's heard about this enemy and how he operates? 
he needs to trust God, or does he trust what he thinks he knows? He says in verse 19, when I already read, that he dreaded the Jews. Now in verse 24, Zedekiah said to Jeremiah, let no man know about these words, and you will not die. So if the official come to you, don't tell him what you told me. Because what Zedekiah is going to do, he's not going to obey God and his word. Why? Because he's afraid of the Jews. He's afraid what they'll do to him if he tells them that this is how they're going to respond to the Babylonians. So he totally ignores God. Guess what happened? The Babylonians came in. They destroyed the city. They destroyed the sanctuary. They murdered people. They took some back as slaves. They left a few of the poorest in the land, but not very many. They took Zedekiah. They killed his children before his eyes, and then they gashed out his eyes. What a horrible situation that was because Zedekiah chose to disobey God. But then you have Jeremiah who obeyed God. And what happened to him? Well, we already read that he was ostracized by the prophets. He was put in a cistern. He was compelled to follow God no matter what the consequences. He was beaten. He was discouraged. But then he was encouraged by God. In Jeremiah 20, verse 11, after everything he'd been through, he says, The Lord is with me like a dread champion. Therefore, my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. They will be utterly ashamed because they have failed with an everlasting disgrace that will not be forgotten. Yet, O Lord of hosts, you who test the righteous, who see the mind and the heart, let me see your vengeance upon them. For to you I have set forth my cause. Sing to the Lord, praise to the Lord, for he has delivered the soul of the needy one from the hand of the evildoers. Jeremiah is praising God that he has gone through all the problems that he has gone through. He's praising God because he can trust God. He's praising God that even though he's been through the muck and the mire and the cisterns and potential death, he has been delivered by the Almighty God. He has seen God's hand work. Jeremiah 20 talks about the things that Jeremiah went through and yet how much he valued God's calling. Jeremiah served God in a really difficult time. And we see that he was discouraged. In Jeremiah 20, Jeremiah says, Oh Lord, you have deceived me and I was deceived. You have overcome me and prevailed. I have become a laughingstock all day long. Everyone mocks me. For each time I speak, I cry aloud. I proclaim violence and destruction. Because for me, the word of the Lord has resulted in reproach and derision all day long. He was discouraged. He was depressed. That's what happens when people follow the Lord and they don't see positive results. We get discouraged. It's a human emotion. I've been there. I'm sure you have been too. Look at Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He was so discouraged. He was just despaired even of his life. He tells us in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 8, for we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. So what Paul learned is that when we despair, that's when we more than ever have to turn back to God, because God is the one who gives us our peace. He's the one we can trust. He's the only one we can trust. He is the one who raised Jesus from the dead. He can raise us from our muck and our mire. 
So Paul goes on to say in 2 Corinthians 1.10, It is God who has delivered us from this great peril of death, and he will deliver us from on whom we have set our hope, and he will yet deliver us. Three times in that verse, Paul says God's going to deliver us. And that's what Jeremiah says as he looks over in verses uh, 11, 12, and 13 of Jeremiah 20. God is going to deliver him, and he knows that. So even though he's distressed, he's distraught, he turns to God. I'm one of those people that believes that if you just wait three days, everything will get better. Now, things might not change. The circumstances might be the same, but our attitude, our heart changes. You look at Jesus. He was dead for three days, technically. You look at Jonah, who was in the belly of the whale for three days. But it all turned out for the good after three days. I find that no matter how discouraged I get, if I just trust the Lord and hang in there within three days, God will change my heart and deliver me from my discouragement. In Jeremiah's case, he goes on after he talks about being discouraged, and he says something very important in Jeremiah 20, verse 9. But there's a contrast. I'm discouraged, but if I say I will not remember him or speak any more in his name, then in my heart it becomes like a burning fire shut up in my bones. What Jeremiah was saying is, I can't not speak the word of God. If I do, it'll burn like fire inside of me and I'll have to do something about it. When he gives us a particular calling, and he does, he gives every one of us a gift. It doesn't have to be this big ministry where we have a nonprofit organization or we're the head of something. A ministry can simply be one of helps, maybe serving in the church kitchen or working in the child care area. It's a ministry that God has given us that has called us to do it. And if we don't do it, we just burn inside because that passion is so strong that we can't not do it. There have been times when I've been discouraged and I think, well, maybe it's time that somebody else take the lead and do the teaching and I just step back and retire. Every time I do that and then I pick up the word of God, it just burns in my heart. And the idea of not teaching until God calls me away from this, the idea of not teaching it burns so deeply in me, I couldn't not do it. That's the way Jeremiah was. When he was at his greatest discouragement, God gave him encouragement, showing him that God had a purpose and a plan. And that's the only place that Jeremiah would find his joy and his peace in life was by obeying God. Well, what happened to Jeremiah after Zedekiah was killed? It turned out that a few other kings came onto the scene. And the final king, Jeremiah went to him and said, support the king of Babylon, stay here in this land and make it fruitful and you will be safe. But if you flee to Egypt, you will die there. They said they'd obey Jeremiah's words and follow him, but they didn't. When they left and fled to Egypt, they required him to go with them. Oh, and by the way, let me tell you that when Babylon destroyed Jerusalem, the king of Babylon called Jeremiah to himself and said, what do you want, Jeremiah? You can stay here in the land or you can come to Babylon. He respected Jeremiah for the prophet that he was. He gave him his life and he gave him his options. But then it was his own people who turned against him again and forced him to go to Egypt where it's believed he probably died there. The key with Jeremiah is he was a man after God's own heart, just like David was. He loved God. He followed God. He obeyed God and everything. He lived a tough life, though. And yet he found joy because he was obedient to the Lord all of his days. And he knew that he was doing the right thing. Are we going to be like Zedekiah? 
and disobey God, go in the wrong direction and suffer evil consequences? Or are we going to be like Jeremiah who obeyed the Lord, still suffered terrible things, but had joy in his heart because he knew the Lord would always deliver him here on earth, but especially in heaven. It's our choice as we make these New Year's resolutions. You're going to obey God or you're going to go in your own direction. It's your decision. It's your choice. But as Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Thank you for joining us today on Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank. This is a listener-supported show. If you'd like to support this program or contact Debbie Blank, you may do so at P.O. Box 540-003, Omaha, Nebraska, 68154, or visit our website at livingwordministry.org. Please tune in each week at this same time for Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank.